When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. How personalized can a financial plan be when it's created by one of those robo-advisors? Plugging in standard algorithm to calculate insurance need and future wealth of random human client. Robots don't know you. We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services, getting to know you always comes first. Together, we'll create a financial plan based on your specific goals. Find a local Farm Bureau advisor at fbfs.com protect. It's your future. Let's protect it. You're listening to the Bears Brothers podcast and postgame show, the place where Bears fans across the globe hang out online after every Bears game. Now get ready, because it's time to bear down. Welcome back, Bears fans, to another episode of the Bears Brothers Podcast, and welcome to our Bears-Lions postgame show. The final whistle just sounded, and our Bears took down the Detroit Lions 34-22 to in a very exciting game from start to finish. Well, at least the first half was. second half was a little bit long, but hey, the end result is exactly what we're looking for. The Bears got their first win over an NFC North opponent in over 700 days, and we're now 6-3 and and still atop of the NFC North. Very exciting stuff. I'm Russell Littlewit, and to help me break down this game, I have two of my Bears brothers right here with me. I'm joined by Nicholas Moriano and Brandon Hazlett. Guys, I want to know. Last week, I had you summarize the game in one word. I'll be more generous. Uh, can you summarize it in one sentence, Nick? Um, I mean, I'll still stick with the one word. It was exciting to watch. It was exciting to see the Bears be able to defeat a division opponent. So it was just exciting for me to watch. Obviously, Will, before we went on, it kind of dragged in that second half. But it was exciting. No doubt about it. What about you, B? Yeah, I'll stick with the one word, too, and I'll say defiant. Uh, the Bears came out and scored on every possession in the first half, and from there I never felt that the game was ever out of reach, although the momentum was kind of in the balance at a couple points in the second half where it dragged on, but I never felt the Bears were going to let this one slip away. Yeah, no, the fact that the Bears were able to score on all of their first half drives, besides if you want to count the one with the one minute left and you're starting inside your own 10, I don't. But in terms of like the first actual drives, the first four drives, touchdown, 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 it was a lot of uh, firepower by the Bears offense, and I'm very excited to break that down. Uh, but first, we need to go right into our opening drive in the first quarter of our show, and let's go ahead and begin this week with my monster moment. And my monster moment is going to be in the third quarter, actually, because after two missed field goals to start the second half, uh, the Bears got the ball about midfield after a very poor pump by the Lions. Two plays later, boom, touchdown. Trubisky hit Burton for 24 yards, very next play. He found Allen Robinson for 26. They went for two, and that ended up being a three-score game, which obviously with it being 34-22, to 22, we needed every point that we can get in the game. So for me, uh, for the fact, you know, two missed field goals, which we'll talk about that uh, later on in the show, 
uh, to start that second half and all momentum kind of leaning towards the Lions for the Bears to go out there and two big chunk plays, 24 yards, 26 yards to find a touchdown. Uh, Trubisky had a great game, and I think that drive right there really sealed the deal. So for me, that's going to be my monster moment. Let's go over to Brandon. What's going to be your stat of the game, man? Despite this being a very dominant, defying win, uh, like I said in my you know, my first opening thought, uh, state of the game is still going to be five cuts. The amount of special teams blunders that the third phase coughed up uh, with the botched recovery for the onside kick and then the total of four field goals off the upright, which frankly is more impressive uh, in my opinion, uh, maybe not in you guys, but uh, five because that's there's, you know, we're still not perfect, obviously, uh, if we're able to put some of those extra points away, some of those field goals. Definitely buries the Lions, and there's really not much of hope of them coming back. They recover the onside kick. That definitely ices the game. Uh, but the third phase was something we talked about in the report card as just being average, and today I thought they played below average. <laughs> no doubt about that. I'm very uh... – even though I'm laughing, I'm trying to laugh because I'm angry. And like they just really let the ball down today. And again, we'll talk about the special teams when the time comes. But for now, uh, we're going to go over to Nick. And what was your uh, knack or a knack? What do you got? I'll go with the knack, and I'll give it to the two guys that are returning from injury, Khalil Mack and Allen Robinson. You see Khalil Mack at two sacks in this game, was able to set the edge, just be that dominant force that we remember in the first couple of weeks of the season. Then Allen Robinson comes out and has a monster game, six receptions, 133 yards, and two touchdowns. That's what you want from your money players, your big-time players on your offense and your defense. And they both came out today against a division opponent and played a great game. So my knack goes to those two returning from injury and just being dominant. Absolutely. Both came back and both had their impact felt and it seemed like the perfect time to get these players kind of back in action this week. So good stuff there, Nick. It's time to find out who was the MVP today. And Nick, I'm going to go ahead and let you kick that off. I think it's hard not to give the MVP to Mitch Trubisky today. Right. He's a guy that you just tore it up from start to finish. Um, every, anytime that Matt Nagy trusted him to make the play, diagnose the defense, he did it. And he was doing that early and often in this game. You heard a lot of different calls at the line of scrimmage. He's calling out something, maybe changing the routes. He looked like he was poised. He was pinpoint with his accuracy, and it showed throughout the entire game. Even on that last drive where the Bears needed to just keep the drive going in that fourth quarter, Mr. Trubisky doesn't find anybody. What does he do? Uses his legs like he's done all year to keep the drive going. Mitch Trubisky played lights out, probably his best game of the season. I know that he had that game against Tampa Bay, looked dominant, but this one, every ball was on point. There were a couple of them that were overthrown, but most most of the time, Mitch Trubisky, uh, he was very accurate and very decisive with his decision-making. No, absolutely, because you mentioned that. All right, because of the Buccaneers games, yes, the, the stats were a little bit more gaudy, right? But 23 of 30, 355 yards, 11.8 yards per pass, three touchdowns, a quarterback rating, or I should say a pass rating of 148.6. That's, that's impressive. And I know the Lions didn't have Darius Slay today, but still, this is a unit that was only giving up 215 yards per game through the air, and Trubisky is able to throw for 355 on them. Um, but like you said, too, from the very beginning of this game, very aggressive. The tempo was, you know, it was very upbeat, uh, pushing the ball down the field, not being afraid to test his secondary deep, and it really worked out well. And on top of that, the ball placement was fantastic. He was hitting guys in stride, allowing them to turn up field, make plays after the catch. Uh, so for me, obviously, Trubisky, uh, without him, the offense is not clicking nearly as, as much as it was today. It all goes back to number 10. So for me, he's going to be my MVB as well. What about you, Brandon? Who do you got? 
I think it's just going to be a clean sweep. I mean, Trubisky absolutely deserves it in this one. There's just no other way, no one player that impacted the game quite as much. Because I was trying to look through the stat sheet just to try and find something different, but no one else really stands out as far as their impact put on the game outside of Trubisky. And you guys touched on all the reasons so far. Uh, but Trubisky is definitely hands down the MVP for this one. And it's not even the stat sheet. It's not even the stats. It's just a feeling. No, it's just it an impact like he, on the game. Yeah, he, it just felt like, like he passed the eye test today. He, when he was playing, he was playing confident. He was like he had everything under control. There was not a moment where I was worried about the direction of this offense, despite uh, the missed field goals, despite them kind of letting their foot off the gas a little bit in the second half. But that first half was 100% perfect. That's what this Bears offense is supposed to look like, and it all came to Trubisky. So for me, obviously, MVB, like you said, Brandon, and we all kind of agreed here, uh, he's going to be the guy today. And like I said, it's more than just the stats. He did some of the little things right today, and you have to give him credit for that as well. All right, so up next, we're going to enter the second quarter of our show and break down this Bears offensive performance a little bit more. But first, we need to call a quick timeout and tell you about our show sponsor, SeatGeek. Football's back, and SeatGeek is the smartest, easiest way to get tickets to every game all season long. Whether you're searching for a last-minute deal, planning a night out, or need to find the perfect gift, SeatGeek helps you find the best seats at the best prices, fully guaranteed. There's nothing quite like being there in person, and I'm sure you wish you were there in person today because I know I do, and SeatGeek will get you closer to the action for a great value. As you know, all the Bears brothers, we have the SeatGeek apps on our phones, our devices, and by far it's the easiest way that we've been able to search for tickets. Uh, I'm personally a big fan of how you can sort by value. That way you know the tickets that you're looking at are the most worth it. And of course, SeatGeek is designed to make your ticket buying experience easier than ever. By searching multiple ticket sites and grading every ticket based on the value, SeatGeek helps you immediately identify the best seats that fit your budget. And before the show, I was still looking in. There's still, again, tickets are going down for next week's game against Minnesota. But I encourage you, if you're looking at that one, and heck, if you live near uh, California and you're wanting to go to that game in Santa Clara, tickets are only $39 right now, like $39 to go see the Bears. I know we travel well as Bears fans. I know there's a lot of Bears fans in California. So I encourage you. We're 6-3. and three. The second half of the season setting up to be a really special one. Go root on your favorite team by checking out SeatGeek before all these amazing deals are no longer available. And the best part of all is that our listeners get $20 off their first SeatGeek purchase. Just download the SeatGeek app. And enter the promo code BEARS today. That's promo code BEARS, B-E-A-R-S, for $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. And just another hack here, you can sort tickets by promo code eligible because on SeatGeek, not all of them are. So if you want to use that $20 off, make sure to sort by promo code eligibility. All righty, you're listening to the Bears Brothers Podcast. I'm your host, Old Wood. I'm joined by my Bears brothers, Brandon Hazel and Nicholas Moriano. The three of us are breaking down the Bears' 34-22 victory over the Detroit Lions. And it's now time to dive into our discussion about this Bears offense just, that was just on fire in the first half. And Nick, I mean, I have it all here in my notes, so I'm curious. Why were the Bears so successful early on in this game? I think early on, you saw the tempo that the Bears offense was playing at, just that fast tempo. And I think what that did is you took out the Lions' best defender in Damian Harrison, a guy that just was able to stop the run, you know, at times maybe get to the, the, the quarterback. But you take him out of the equation when you're going that up-tempo and just diagnosing this defense like Trubisky was, and that, that worked out really well for the Bears. And you have to credit to the, the wide receivers as well. They were just winning those one-on-one matchups. You see the routes that Allen Robinson, Anthony Miller are running, they're open they're wide open and credit to how they were able to run routes and just give Trubisky that throwing lane and all he has to do is make the pass so Matt Nagy I think called a great game and we even saw we again we saw more defenders on offense again in this game you saw 
Bryce Callahan and Eddie Jackson, I believe, in one place. So he's just he's bringing out everything, and then the Detroit Lions have to call a timeout on that stuff on a play like that. So he's incorporating a lot of different things. Obviously, the rushing numbers for the running backs today didn't work out in favor for the Bears, but they didn't really need that because they were passing the ball so efficiently and having people just run wide open throughout the entire game. Absolutely. What about you, Brandon? Uh, Nick, you, you hit on a lot of great stuff there. But what about you, B? Anything else that you want to bring up here in terms of those first forward drives from the Bears offense as a whole? Yeah, Nick brought up the, the tempo, which was very important. But I'm also going to give some love to the big guys down there in the trenches because they kept him upright and kept a very clean pocket for a majority of that first half. I can't think, and I don't have in my notes anywhere as far as first half goes of you know pocket collapsing or Trubisky has to evade. Uh, due to a defender, he did once on his own accord and hit Ben Bronacker, which is something else we'll talk about later. Uh, at least I'll talk about later anyway. But uh, <laughs> it's it just the offensive line just did a very, very good job in that first half of helping establish that tempo, uh, making Trubisky's job easier. Uh, Nick brought up the wide receivers running good routes. That also makes Trubisky's job easier. So when everybody helps make the quarterback's job easier, that allows him to pass the eye test, which is exactly what football is all about, a team sport. Absolutely. Honestly, it's a mix of the two, which you guys kind of brought up, but execution, really, guys. There's execution on top of all that. The tempo is great. The guys up front gave Trubisky plenty of time, but these routes were perfectly executed. They meet, they beat their coverage in, you know, man, because that's what Detroit ran a lot of today. That's what they've been doing all season. And Trubisky, again, was putting the ball on the money. And the first three scoring drives, they were long ones, 75 yards, 91 yards, 71 yards, but they didn't take a lot of time. And fun fact here, too, the Bears scored touchdowns on their first four drives, first time since 1993 that they were able to do something like that. So just a kind of a, a stat to put in perspective just how great the offense was today. Um, anything else in terms of general observations from the offense before we kind of go into some uh, positional specifics, guys? I think we should go into those player specifics. Yeah. All right, well, we have to start Trubisky. I know we already talked a lot about number 10 today, but we got to do it again because he started off hot, five or five, 61 yards, hit four different players on a very opening drive. And then from there, it just kind of took off. He was hitting huge chunk plays today. Uh, I know there's a 36, a 44, a 55, another 24, a 20. He was just carving up this defense. And Nick, I know we already kind of talked about it, but is there anything else that you want to mention about Trubisky today that kind of stood out that our listeners should know if they weren't able to catch the game? Absolutely. Just when he gets to the line of scrimmages, and like I said, is able to kind of read the defense. That's something that Mitch Trubisky, even at the beginning of the season, maybe wouldn't have been able to do as what, what he did now. Just able to read the defense, make an audible, make his uh, wide receiver run a certain route to exploit a certain defense. That's something that we're seeing each and every week. Trubisky just make progress. And there was also another time in this game where he, he does the hard count has one of the defenders go off sides and that, that converts to chains. That was on third down. It was. So it's these little things that make you a great quarterback. And he's starting to put those things, you know, in games where last week against the Bills, it was a third down place. He's able to make the, the chains move on third down. Today it's diagnosing the defense and just doing those little things, being pinpointed just with the accuracy that starts with his mechanics. So we've seen him at times fluctuate with how he's able to throw the ball because his lower body's not maybe set right. This game, just everything just seemed to align perfectly, and the play calling really does help, and Brandon said it best. The offensive line really helped as well because there were times Trubisky was just able to survey the field. Okay, one one receiver's not open. Go to the next one. Here's a third guy. He's open. So Trubisky just did a good job with what the defense gave him and then was able to exploit it because he knew exactly what the defense was bringing at him. 
Exactly. And you talked about that third down hard count that really worked. And one of my favorite plays of the game was actually another third down, a certain 15. And that's when he goes deep to the right sideline. Allen Robinson has one-on-one coverage. And of course, Robinson makes a great play in the ball. Great pass. But the, uh, on top of that, I mean, a great catch, but the pass was phenomenal as well. Great touch. Put it right where Robinson needed to get that ball. And I love the confidence on third and 15 just to go for it all. That touchdown, the check down mentality. And he was able to go over the top and hit him. And plays like that all game long was a big reason why uh, Detroit, they were on their heels from the very moment that this game started, that Detroit Lions defense were on their heels because Trubisky was just pushing the ball, pushing the ball, pushing the ball. And I don't think we've seen him be that aggressive since Tampa. Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. But again, uh, this secondary, even though they were banged up and they didn't have Darius Slay. They are much better than the one that Tampa Bay was throwing out there at Soldier Field. Uh, so for Trubisky to do this today, um, to me, uh, speaks volumes of him. And of course, the direction of this offense heading into uh, potentially next week against Minnesota. What about you, B? Anything else about Trubisky that we want to pat him on the back for? Because I think a day like today, he deserves some of that. Oh, he absolutely deserves it. And the one thing that really stood out to me, uh, you talked about him, that the touchdown passed Allen Robinson on the third and 15. It wasn't just that play. Uh, but just throughout the entirety of the game, it seemed like he was just really confident in his guys downfield in one-on-one situations. Because prior to that, there was one downfield to Gabriel that was just a little short of the end zone, fell incomplete. There's another one later in the game, double coverage again to Taylor Gabriel, incomplete. And Gabriel didn't have a catch in this game, I don't think. Uh, but regardless, he's still trusting his guys downfield in one-on-one situations. Even if the ball isn't exactly where it needs to be, he does still struggle with those accuracy things a little bit, but he is confident and he's willing to push that aggressiveness, like you said, well, downfield. And that's ultimately what's going to lead to the success. If he's confident in these one-on-one situations, uh, I think there was a, a Bible verse since it's Sunday uh, it said, uh, and then God said unto Joseph, let her rip tater chips. So that is exactly <laughs> what he did today. And that's totally fake, by the way, but I thought it was funny. <laughs> it, made, it made Nick laugh. I was... Uh... <laughs> I'm working over here, too, on the blog at the same time. We're working on with a new writer publishing some stuff at, during our postgame show. So I'm pulling double duty, but I think I'm doing a pretty damn good job. But real quick, sure. Trubisky, uh, if you talk about everything else, the draw play, too, in the in the red zone, inside the 10, in order to get that touchdown, you know, it's a small play overall. It was another rushing touchdown for him. But what I loved was the emotion that he showed right after it with that huge spike, and then he just let out that yell right in the camera. I mean, that was cool. That's something you didn't you, – I've never seen out of a Bears quarterback in my lifetime. Have you seen Rex Grossman do that? Kyle Orton do that? Jay Cutler do that? No. But Mitchell Trubisky is a quarterback that plays with emotion, and I love it. It's a lot of fun to watch, and you know that hit, the players love it too. You saw guys like Bobby Massey um, walking in. like They love that energy that number 10 brings, and I believe that's a big reason why this offense is finding so much success because they're feeding off of that energy from their quarterback. So for me, even though it was a small play I and it's just a reaction afterwards, I love the energy that Trubisky brings to the table. Uh, Nick, anything else on 10 before we move on to uh, some of the other guys? Let's go to the other guys because they definitely played a big part in the the Bears being dominant today as well. All right, let's go to those targets, Nick. I'm going to just toss it right back to you. You know, we've talked about big day from Allen Robinson, a huge game from Anthony Miller. Uh, what was going on? 
I think, again, I said that these guys, these wide receivers, even tight ends, were just able to win those one-on-one matchups. When you watch the route that Allen Robinson runs, the little slant route, I think it was on, ooh, I cannot remember. It was, a, I think it was a safety, one-on-one. Robinson just creates that separation, is able to run, take a routine slant route all the way for a touchdown. It's it's little things like that is what's going to separate, you know, you just gaining seven yards on a, any given play to gaining that touchdown that Allen Robinson was able to run. These receivers are really starting to gel with Trubisky, getting that timing going, and that's great to see because Robinson, he was out the last couple of weeks with an injury. Comes back, it seems like they haven't missed a beat, Robinson and Mitch Trubisky. That used to be, and still probably is, his go-to guy. That's why he finished with the uh, the stats that he had. And Anthony Miller's a guy, you can get him open on so many different plays because you can line him up so many different uh, different spots on the field. And you saw on that corner route, it was a great route that he ran. The DB messes up in coverage, but then he's able to fight through the tackle at the end there to get into the end zone. Stuff like that, that extra effort that makes these wide receivers for the Bears great. And Taylor Gabriel wasn't even... He wasn't a factor in, in the stats yards, but he's still taking the top off of defense. They have to respect that. So I really just like what these Bears receivers can bring to the table. And it just, there's no one guy that Trubisky has to count on. And that's what makes this offense so dangerous. Anybody can have a game like a Robinson and Miller who had 100 yards, and that's what's uh, dangerous overall. No, you're, you're exactly right. Because the last game that we had something close to this that resembled this was Tampa Bay, and our leading receivers was Tariq Cohen, Taylor Gabriel. And today, Cohen only had 29 yards. Gabriel was shut out, and yet we're still finding ways to get it done. And you're looking at Robinson with those six catches. Uh, he's ever, If you average over 20 yards per catch on six catches, that's incredible. And a lot of those yards came after the catch as well. And for someone who's coming off a knee injury, he looked fast. He looked fluid today, potentially or probably, and I say that, but I know it's true, the best he's looked in terms of uh, fluidity, his speed, his just movement on the field. He looked comfortable out there. And with some weeks off, I mean, I know at the time that we're a little hesitant and we knew that we wanted to get him back and hopefully he didn't miss a step. But I'm glad he took that time off. I'm glad he's healthy because he's making a huge impact. And then Anthony Miller, uh, he was wide open so much. And like, and it goes back to the route running. Um, it goes back to the concepts as well. And what I love is his ability to make defenders pay as well with the ball in his hands. You know, he averaged almost 25 yards a catch today. So for me, um, a breakout game from Anthony Miller is exactly what we all wanted. We've all been waiting for it. And this is a game that shows uh, he can do that as well. He can step into this role. And I think we talked about it during our midseason report card. I asked for one of these receivers, just dominate the game, take over. Today we had two. Today, we had Allen Robinson and Anthony Miller. And that's exactly what I was hoping to see. And it gets me very confident about this group moving forward. What about you, B? Anything else you want to mention about these receivers or tight ends? Yeah, I think that I gave too much credit to Detroit secondary on Thursday <laughs> during our preview show. I uh, thought they might have been better than they were. And without Darius Slay, they were definitely hurting. And we've seen early on that they were really just struggling in coverage, just giving up so many big plays after big plays. I mean, they were fighting each other at one point. Uh, so that really uh, helped in the hand of the receivers and Trubisky as well. When they don't know what they're doing, it makes the offense move a lot easier. And that's why they're able to get the big plays. So uh, I guess credit to Detroit secondary for just not really showing up in the first half. Yeah, no, they didn't, uh, obviously. Right. Um, but no, that did a great stuff. What about uh, Trey Burton today, Nick? I thought, you know, even though he had four catches for 40 yards, 10, 10 per catch, it was a quiet production today. I know he had the two-point conversion as well. Um, but overall, were you pleased with how he was utilized? Because I know I was, because even though he didn't have a bunch of yards when he was involved in his offense, I mean, it was effective, and they were very timely catches that really prolonged some of these drives. 
Exactly. I want to see how much we're on third down or, you know, just where the Bears need to convert the chains. And that's fine. If Trey Burton gets four receptions or 40 yards and the Bears are able to do what they did on offense, you take that every day of the week. But a guy that I know Brandon was excited about is Ben Broniker. Look, with Deion Sims going down, he made a hell of a catch over the defender. That was one where Trubisky had to improvise. He trusts his receipt, trusts the guy where even in the Miami game where we were at, he targeted Ben Broniker that gets intercepted. This time, he still trusts Ben Broniker, and that's you know that's key for Trubisky. He's able to trust, like you said, Brandon, earlier, he trusts anybody that's out there. Even if they're not getting the ball, not very involved in the offense, Ben Broniker, a guy that not he doesn't get a lot of the offensive plays, but that was a big play, improvises, throws it to Ben Broniker, he makes a great catch. So you see everybody's just starting to step up, and that's what you need from a good offense. Everybody can be a factor. Yeah, I want to add to that uh, Bronecker discussion too, real quick. That was just a very good scramble drill by him, because mm-hmm. uh, he just ran a short curl route, seeing that Trubisky was in trouble, and just starts cutting up field. And the pass went right over the top of the defender's helmet, and he concentrated, was able to make that that catch. So, I mean, just a very good job by Bronecker in that one as well, just to have the whereabouts to know that you know, despite him not getting all this playing time, he knows that the scramble drill. Okay, I got to move to Trubisky's side, so that way he'll be able to find me. And sure enough, he did concentrate, made a great catch. So, I think that's a good step forward for Bronecker. Absolutely. And the catch that he had, too, and Nick, I know you said it was a nice catch, but I think it was highly contested. I mean, he had a defender oh, yeah. in his face. He was able to strong point that at the top of the, you know, right over the head. So for me, I mean, when we're looking at tight ends and they were the talk of the offseason, they were the talk of the training camp, and then they've been very quiet outside to Trey Burton. And then for Bronicker to step up, even in that one play, that's fine. I know we're going to get Adam Shaheen back, and that's going to open up this offense even more. But just to see someone stepping in, uh, doing more than a Deion Sims, I guess I should say, is what's making me very excited about uh, the potential here. But I want to go ahead and move over to the Bears running backs in the ground game because only 54 yards on the ground, 18 of which came from Trubisky. My first question is not going to be about Jordan Howard. It's not going to be about Tariq Cohen. and It's not going to be about uh, Mitchell Trubisky. And Nick, this is for you. Why in the hell is Taquan Mazzell out there getting cut touches over Cohen and uh, Howard? Yeah, I know. I knew you were going to go with, with that question to me, but Mazel, yeah, even on kickoff, he just was, you didn't feel comfortable with him out there. He's not decisive with his cuts. He's, he's, there's a reason why he didn't make the 53 in the first, you know, go around. And I think uh, on the one play where he was actually in that running back and he ends up getting the, the rushing attempt, uh, that was a play after Tariq Cohen gets lit up from the safety. So you had to put in somebody. Um, but I think, you know, that was a opportunity for Mizell to show something to this Bears coaching staff. He didn't do anything to help himself. So I expect him once Adam Shaheen comes back, he'll be back on the practice squad. But that is not a good showing. That's not what you want to see. But overall, when you really think about it, the Bears running backs weren't able to get going. And I know I was confident in the in the preview show saying this would be their best day on the ground. Just didn't seem like that. It's not like the Bears didn't try to come into the run. You saw Michael Byrne in there a bunch of times in at fullback trying to lead the way, but the Bears just couldn't get it going, and they just you know resorted to passing the ball, and that was very effective in this game. Nick, does it sway your opinion in any that Quan Mazel I think got a touch last week as well? No, and you didn't even know it, did you? Uh, I think, man, I, I mean, want to be, have, I don't know, but it I was, mean, uh, just, I know he got a reception is... too. Yeah. It's very minimal. You don't want him right. out there. No. Yeah, no, it's, uh, yeah, it doesn't make much sense. It really doesn't because Cohen and Howard, of course, are more NFL caliber running backs to put it mildly, I guess. I'm, I'm trying to be nice here because I mean, he didn't do anything to really screw up the game. It's just, I mean, we can talk about who did that later. Um, but <laughs> for me, it's, I just don't understand why you would have him out there. He's 
He's just not good, and he's. Where's not... Benny Cunningham? Like, put him. You he you can trust Benny Cunningham. Yeah, exactly. I feel like you can a lot better than you can trust Taquan Mazelle. So he was a captain early on in the year too. So really, what's happening to Benny Cunningham? Yeah, that's uh, it's interesting. I mean, I know that the kick return game hasn't had a factor, but you don't put him over and at the running back position. Right. Just he's he's a better player to have out there than a Taquan Mazelle. Now, I'm looking at the 54 yards per carry, and I'm not overly concerned, even though it does seem like it's a weekly trend. And Nick's like, say what? I understand. And I get But how the offense was moving early on, I would not have changed a thing, honestly. Like, they were pushing the ball through the air, and it was working to perfection, obviously. Then the second half, when we already have a bigger lead, it wasn't really working. And then when you miss a couple of field goals, and the Lions start chipping away, then you need to kind of come back, and that's what they did, and it worked out fine. But still, let's go to Brandon. Are you concerned with the fact that even though Detroit was giving up 140-plus yards per game on the ground heading into this game, uh, that we only ended up with 54? It is a little concerning just because the way they started the game, Jordan Howard started the game with a nine-yard run. It went perfect. This is exactly what they needed. We're have a big day on the ground. They're not going to abandon it today. And then they started going up tempo, started getting some bigger plays downfield. And I think, you know, coaching staff got pass happy, wanted to keep that pressure on the defense, which is totally understandable. It's just kind of how the game unfolds. And if that's all that is the result of them having 54 total yards rushing, then that's what it is. It's just kind of how the game fell. But I would have liked to have seen them use uh, Howard a little bit more in this one, or Cohen even, just the running game in general, because that would have really helped uh, take some time off the clock in the second half, would have kept the amount of time that the Lions have to chip away uh, at a minimum. Instead, they were passing the ball. That's when we kind of started to see some more incompletions from Trubisky. The offense started to cool down a little bit. Uh, so I would have just liked to seen it a little bit more, try and you know stay with it a little more faithfully. But regardless, it didn't didn't hurt him at the end. It's just kind of how the game played out. So a little bit concerned, just the, the production numbers weren't quite what I thought it was going to be. But that's just kind of how the game fell. What about you, Nick? Howard only averaged 1.9 yards per carry. Tariq Cohen only 2.1. They're using Tariq Cohen in a lot of inside runs today, which was a little confusing. Yeah, it's and it doesn't help now when you are so one sided and like the first half, like we were saying, they were very uh, pass oriented and it worked. So, I mean, kudos to Matt Nagy for committing to that. But when you're trying to go in the second half to milk the clock, it's kind of tough to do that when you were, you know, favoring one side of the ball more than the other. And then you're trying to rely on that other half, uh, the running game to kind of close out the game when you really didn't establish in the first half. So that's probably that's the one critique when you're going one-sided when the passing game is going you just want to keep committing to it and obviously the bears you know put up 34 points great but then when you have to close out the game and you haven't established that run in the first half going to the second half and trying to do that's going to be a little difficult because we've, we've said it multiple multiple times on this podcast that jordan howard gets better as he goes on well he didn't have that in the first half so how is he supposed to get you know better when crucial when you want to milk the clock in the second half so it was a little, it was definitely disappointing to see what the rushing game ended up with, but the Bears ended up winning. And, you know, I think Mitch Trubisky getting that third down conversion with his legs at the end there kind of helps, but you definitely want to see him be able to take advantage of a team that struggled to stop the run moving forward. And they'll get a chance to do that in two weeks when they play Detroit in Detroit. Yeah. Again, when the end result is a 34 to 22 victory, you're kind of nitpicking at the point. You know, every game, you're not going to be able to establish it and run for over 100 yards. Um, but when you're seeing the averages of two and a little bit under two, it's, it's still a little bit concerning on the surface. But, of course, uh, we'll see how exactly how this pans out throughout the season. Uh, real quick, Mr. Trenches, anything about the offensive line today? Because, for the most part, I thought they played very well. Only gave up the one sack that was very, uh, you know close to a safety. Um, but even at that, it, it wasn't a bad game overall by that group. Oh, no, definitely not. Just 
the only thing was they would have gotten their own game established a little bit more, but that's a little more uh, zone reads, so guys aren't necessarily looking to push one way or the other. It's just whoever's in front of them, that's who they're blocking, and then the running back has to kind of pick their hole. So it's not necessarily entirely on the offensive line, uh, but if they could generate a little bit more of a push, it's just, again, the only critique, because I thought in pass pro today they were just absolutely lights out. Yeah, no, they did a very decent job there. They only allowed three quarterback hits overall for the game, and then, of course, one of those is the sack. Uh, Nick, do you have anything about the old line that you want to mention? No, I mean, I think without Kyle Long, that unit definitely stepped up from last week where they played some really good defenders in Buffalo. But this week, Mitch Trubisky at time, uh, we would like to see the rushing game get going. But overall, O-line played a great game and allowed Mitch Trubisky to have the day that he did. Absolutely. And speaking of Trubisky, Nagy at the podium said that this was his best game of the season. And a quote, he is playing his tail off, which... I agree with Coach there 100%. Uh, any final thoughts on this offense? Anything that you want to kind of give a shout-out to that we haven't mentioned yet before we kind of head over to the second half here? This Not was a, fun. This was very fun, Brandon. I think <laughs> we're now we're seeing what this offense can really be. To be completely honest, you have a healthy Anthony, you, Anthony Miller, Allen Robinson. All these guys are healthy. They're gelling. And you just want to see the running game getting going. But this is a good time for the offense to do what they did today because, again, division play now. But I like where this is trending. Just got to get the, the rushing rushing game going somehow. Anything else besides that? It's fun, Brandon. I agree. I'm just making sure. <laughs> no, that was it. Okay. Well, you're not wrong. That was a lot of fun <laughs> yes. to watch. Um, for me, I guess just find a way to finish and keep that aggressive mentality through all four quarters. Because if you see it in the first half, then we tend to do that. And then – we kind of fall off and then we pick it back up and no game's going to be a hundred percent. No game's going to be perfect, but I think we can all agree that we want to see this bears team, the spirits offense, having an aggressive mentality through all four quarters, despite the score. And I know that's something that's been talked about in how Hall, and that's what coach Nagy has been uh, kind of preaching to this team. Um, but the third quarter, I guess it could have been different if they hit those field goals though. So we'll mm-hmm. see how we'll get, we'll get there is when we get there, it's not going to be pretty for uh, Cody Parkey, but all right. Uh, Bears offense was able to put up over 400 total yards and 7.6 yards per play on the day, which is a very strong day for the offense, just in case you didn't know that. But let's go ahead. And before we enter the third quarter of our show and break down this Bears defense, I just want to remind you, if you want to get your voice heard on our podcast, to make sure to call in for this week's audio mailbag. Uh, The number to do so is 872-240-4007. And real quickly, again, that's 872 240-4007. Make sure to call in with your Bears questions, uh, either about this game, about the next game against the Vikings, big picture topics as well. Um, Every week we love to get your voice on the podcast, have it heard, and answer your questions. So make sure to do that. If you want to gripe about the kicking situation, feel free to call. Uh, I'm sure we can definitely talk about that later on um, as we await to see if they make a change or not there coming up. But all right, guys, let's go ahead and jump right into the third quarter of our show and begin our defensive analysis. And Brandon, since I gave Nick the opening thoughts here for the offense, I'm going to do the same thing to you for the defense. It was just nice that the offense and the defense as a whole were just able to really shut down Detroit, uh, except for when Detroit really had to to put some pressure on and be a little bit more aggressive. Uh, But at that point, the game was mostly out of hand, and it was just incredibly nice. The Bears didn't quite get 10 sacks on the game, which kind of disappointed me. They got six, which is still pretty darn good. Uh, uh, Getting pressure on the quarterback today, it was, and that's really what led to the defense just playing so well. The pressure up front uh, really just made everyone else's job in the backfield uh, easy. The secondary had a good day. No open uh, missed tackles as far as I could tell in my notes anyway. Uh, so just an, an overall very solid performance, and it all starts up front. It was nice to be able to start an opening segment with the front seven in the back. 
Absolutely. It's been far too long since we've seen a dominant performance from the Bears defensive front to, uh, like we did today. Um, able to take down Matthew Stafford six times, and I know they gave up ten last week. Um, I was not ex- actually, even with Khalil Mack back, I didn't personally didn't think we we're going to find a way to get six. Um, so for the, for the Bears to actually do that, of course, was a big determinant of why the Lions were unable to give it a go today. Um, Nick, what about you? We had a bunch of keys heading into this game. Did they follow some of these? Oh, absolutely. And I think one thing that we didn't even talk about really with this Bears defense, those tough yardage, like when you look at the goal line, how many times were the Bears, you know, not even allowing the Detroit Lions any type of push starts in the trenches or even that two point conversion. Everything was hard fought for whatever the Lions were able to get minus a couple of screen plays towards the end of the game. But the Bears defense were just able to get after Stafford, disrupt these receivers timing. And you saw why the Lions were able to struggle for a majority of this game. So, again, that that's why when you bring a Cleo Mack back, the pressure is going to increase. Leonard Floyd gets his first sack. Guys are just, again, stepping up like on the offensive side of the ball. Same thing happened on the def- defensive side of the ball. And Bryce Callahan, he is he's like one of the – if it's not Cleo Mack as MVP of this defense, he's definitely in you know contention to do that because he does so much for his team. Coming off blitz, just sticking with his man, making those hard fought tackles. He's he's such a great player for the Bears, and I think you know just as a unit, they're really gelling right now. So it's great to see. Yeah, no, it really is. I mean, Bryce Callahan, you mentioned it. He's doing all the things. He's coming in on a blitz on getting sacks, he's uh, g- making great tackles in open space, he's getting his hand on these uh, balls, getting batting them down, coming with, away with interceptions. He's just uh, single-handedly uh, making offenses which they didn't pick on Bryce Callahan because they really shouldn't. He's one of, the one of if not the best nickel corners in the entire NFL, and the Bears are going to have to you know give him a you know a pretty chunk of change in order to keep him around after this season what you know definitely deserved uh, Bryce Callahan has proven why he should uh, not just get a big payday but remain here in Chicago watching him uh, kind of develop from the undrafted free agent to where he is now I mean we saw in spurts early on um, but due to you know unable to stay healthy early in his career we didn't see it fully kind of come to fruition and now we are and it's a lot of fun to see um, but looking at this Bears defense today as a whole, I thought they did a great job, um, especially on third down. They held the, the Lions only 4 of 15. And you know you're controlling the game when the opponent has to go for it on fourth down five times. And even though they were 4 or 5 on fourth down, uh, the fact that like, uh, Nick and I were just talking about this right before we went live, uh, the fact that we forced the Lions to go for it five times on fourth down is a great indicator of just how one-sided this game was. Uh, but go ahead and head, let's just jump down to our positional specifics here, and let's go ahead and begin with the defensive front, the defensive line, because, Brandon, like you mentioned, everything started up front today. So looking at some of these players, who stood out? Who well, stood up, I guess, is the right way to answer that, Ooh. because I seen Akeem Hicks standing up as an outside linebacker to rush the passer, and I kind of had to take a second glance, like, who is that guy, and why is he standing up to rush the passer? It was Akeem Hicks. I thought it was really funny. Uh, but he had a he had a good day on the ground despite uh, I mean he was in there on a the sack I don't think he's credited with one in this one uh, but regardless he was still in there uh, for the majority of the game consistently putting pressure was not allowing runs his way uh, Cleo Mack obviously he had two sacks in this one Blau Nichols had a sack in this one he actually well Matt Stafford forced his own fumble on his sack he just kind of put the ball on the ground and pick it up uh, so it was just an all around nice effort from those two guys because they like to feed off each other. Uh, Keem Hicks and Blau Nichols, just a, a very good effort. There's seen Eddie Goldman in there a handful of times as well. He had four tackles on the day. He's having uh, a good string of three straight games here. He had four tackles against Buffalo, uh, 
maybe it was four against the Jets, five against Buffalo, and then four again here today. So he's stringing some really good games here together uh, as well. Just the defensive line is is really playing solid. And John Bullard had a bad pass today too, which was very nice to see. So uh, everyone contributing in different ways. I like how Nick and I both pointed at the camera when he mentioned John Bullard in the bad pass. Like, oh, you took the one point <laughs> I had to take about John Bullard today. Thank you yep, for that. Basically. Welcome. <laughs> I had one bit of note for John Bullard. And it was that play, Brandon. Just one. Just one. Uh, I batted about, it out of your notes. You did. You just batted it right down. <laughs> what about you, Nick? Uh, you know, Brandon kind of did the smorgasbord there and kind of hit on everybody, which is fine. I mean, that's why he's Mr. Trenches. But, I mean, the Bears were able to uh, have their way with the Detroit Lions. And I know that uh, they were down their starting right guard. And I know that they have been a unit that hasn't been strong all the season long. But uh, looking at these guys, uh, what do you want to bring up? You know, I think that the Bears just did a good job of containing the run. And that starts with, you know, everything that they were just plugging up the lanes. And that starts with Eddie Goldman, Akeem Hicks, just kind of doing their jobs. And they won't get credit for the tackles or, you know, stuff like that. Won't go up on the stat sheet. But look, those inside linebackers had an easier day being able to stop these Lions running backs. And Carrion Johnson is a very good player. So um, it starts with those guys up front. And I think Eddie Goldman and Keem Hicks did their jobs, you know, effectively were able to win at times those one-on-one matchups. I think I saw Keem Hicks in the backfield a couple of times, which is usual because of the Keem Hicks. But they were just able to do their job. And that's exactly what this Bears defense does really well, able to stick to their assignments, allow the other players, depending on the other players, to fulfill their assignments and then get the job done overall. So um, it all starts in the trenches, and I think that's why the Bears had success in this one as well. Absolutely. I don't have much to add in terms of everyone else because they just did their job all game long, which is exactly what you want. And you know the Bears won the battle at the line of scrimmage when you see the six sacks, seven tackles for a loss, eight quarterback hits. You know it's that kind of a day for the Bears' front. And, you know, Akeem Hicks, he had a huge mismatch all game long going up against their backup right guard. Um, Eddie Goldman was able to get in there a few times. I saw Bilal Nichols getting close to a sack a couple of times in this game, so getting him back uh, now healthy, even though all the attention's on Khalil Mack, all the attention's on Allen Robinson on offense. I think an underrated player coming back from injury, of course, is Bilal Nichols on this defensive front. Uh, so for me, very pleased with what I saw from these guys today. Um, but let's go to the big one. Let's come go to the return of the Mac. And uh, Nick, today he finished the day with uh, five tackles, including two sacks, two quarterback hits, two t- tackles for a loss. Uh, I mean, obviously he came back. He didn't have a forced fumble strip sack, though, uh, so maybe it's a loss. But uh, what's your take from his uh, return from injury? Because he's not apparently he's not 100%, but he looked pretty darn close. He did look pretty darn close. And the play that um... – doesn't even count anymore because Leonard Floyd actually jumped off sides was where Khalil Mack starts on the opposing side, comes all the way around and makes a tackle. And it's, it's those kind of plays from Khalil Mack, the effort plays, even though he's the highest paid defensive player in the year, he's going to give it his all every single down, every single snap. And that's what you love out of Khalil Mack. That's what a true leader does. And, you know, he didn't get the forced fumble. He was close though. On the one sack that he had from Stafford, he, that's what he's trying to do. He's trying to go for the ball, but he got two sacks today, coming back to form. And like you said, he wasn't completely healthy, but he sure did look like it. He looked good in his return, setting the edge as well, something that's underrated as, as a pass rusher. you got to be able to do that as well. So I think Cleo Mack and his return, that's exactly what you want because we have tough stretch of games coming up, and you want him to perform at his best. Absolutely. And with Cleo Mack, too, um, he was coming off the edge fears. 
Uh, the third and one, there was one early in the game right after the Bears scored, um, and they ran the ball to fullback, the Lions did. And then you see Max screaming off the edge with his power, able to barrel through there and make that for a short gain, ended up forcing the Lions to punt. And then I know his second sack of the game, too. He beat two blockers, and he beat them in two different ways, one with power, uh, one with the speed. And, the you know, when he can just change it up like that, mid-flow in the middle of a play, I mean, that's why you're an all-pro. That's why you're a perennial pro bowler. So those plays like that are just, uh, obviously what the Bears have been missing. Uh, Brandon, I'm going to go to you for this one because I know Nick wants to talk about it, so I'm going to kind of make <laughs> you uh, kind of make him wait for just a little bit more. But Leonard Floyd, you guys first sack today. Uh, what else do you want to talk about? Finally. Uh, I think between <laughs> this game and his last one, I think we could say, you know, he's he's back to back to the form he needs to be because he had the interception uh, against Buffalo. Uh, and then he finally gets his first sack here. And again, he just did a lot of uh, other good things. He almost had a sack uh, prior to the one that he actually had. Uh, he set the edge again very well again this week. Uh, he was able to chase guys down uh, similar to Cleo Mack did throughout this game. Uh, he was a very good hand fighter in this one. I noticed too, there were a couple times I've written down Leonard Floyd, a really good hand fighter. He's really improved in that area. So it's just really nice to see everything all come back together. Now that he's got a healthy hand, uh, teams have to be able to key on Cleo Mack, which is going to leave Floyd in one-on-one situations like we talked about at the beginning of the year. Uh, now we're just starting to see all that talk finally come into fruition. And while he did a lot of things that aren't going to show up on the stat sheet, uh, it was incredibly relieving i'm sure to him more than us uh that he finally got his first sack of the year absolutely and talked about that that was two back-to-back plays because on the drive uh the drive prior um it was a third down and he was able to come off a stunt he looped inside he got a big hit on stafford which forced another punt and then the very first play of the next defensive series was that uh was that sack so two great plays and i know against buffalo he was able to string together good plays as well so even if they're coming in spurts, I'm excited to see that Floyd's stringing together consecutive plays, not taking plays off and able to kind of make an impact uh, consistently. What about you, Nick? Uh, Floyd, and uh, if you want to talk about Aaron Lynch again, you may. Yeah, so I, I have that Floyd jersey up there. Ever since I put it up, he's been playing better. I'm going to keep it up there for the rest of the year. But I was just so relieved to see Floyd get that sack. And it was a, it was a weird kind of sack. He, he did the spin move, and he kind of just hugs Matthew Stafford. He doesn't go down, mm-hmm. just kind of hugs him. And I'm like, hey. He got it. I know that felt amazing. I think he went on, went to the sideline after that. You could see, you could see it on his face, the joy that that brought to him because that was lingering. He was thinking about it. When am I going to get this first sack? I've been close, but he finally got it, and he got it at a perfect time against a division opponent. That's what you need. You need to have these big time plays come against opponents that you need to beat. And I think, like we said in the past couple of games now, Floyd's been stringing together. Now it's his third good game in a row. And I think it's only going to get better from here. And when you have Cleo Mack on the opposite side of you, he's going to get a majority of the double teams. So Floyd just needs to keep on working on those one-on-one matchups. Use that speed. Use that. Use those spin moves. Keep working with the hands. He's going to get better. And it's perfect time because the Bears are definitely going to need all the pass rush they can get moving forward. Absolutely. You can tell after that sack that he was elated. That just The pressure was off. Like, okay, I got it. Now let's go out there and let's play. So, like you mentioned, uh, perfect timing. I mean, I, I'd say perfect timing, but, I mean, we all agree that it should have came sooner. Um, <laughs> but we're glad that it's we don't have to talk about it no more. He finally has a sack, and hopefully uh, this is just the beginning of a really strong second half of the season for Floyd. Uh, but bouncing inside here for the linebackers, I want to begin on Roquan Smith because 
Uh, he had a sack early on in this game. He came right up the A-gap. He looped around a blocker, and he took down Stafford. And that was on third down, and it took him right out of field goal range early. Uh, the Lions end up punting. The Bears, of course, end up scoring another touchdown to put Lions in the deep hole. So that's a very big play early on in this game out of Roquan Smith, our rookie inside linebacker. And then on top of that, all game long, I have really good marks on his coverage. Not many times was he beaten and a guy just wide open and he's chasing. And that's been the issue with him, that when there's been in coverage – uh, he's just a step or two behind, a little slow to react. And today, that was cleaned up. And I know earlier this week, uh, Vic Fangio kind of challenged that out of Roquan Smith, saying, I want to see you better in coverage. And that worked out today. Uh, he took some steps up in this regard. So I like the growth out of our first-round pick this year. Uh, let's go over to B next. What are your take from uh, either Roquan Smith and or Danny Trevathan? It was weird to have see a, a quiet game from Trevathan. Like, he wasn't around the ball as much as we're used to seeing him. And maybe that was by design. The Lions didn't want to pick on him. Uh, thought maybe he was playing hotter or something coming into the game, so let's avoid danger faith. Let's pick on Roquan Smith, and that's why he was the leading tackler for the day. Uh, but I thought it was, I mean, he was obviously there. I didn't see any mistakes from Danny Trevathan. Uh, Roquan, that he had the one sack early, and we seen that, uh, that A gap blitz again later on in the game where Stafford had to roll right. And I don't know if he scrambled for that one or threw an incomplete pass. I don't remember which time that was, uh, but he made Roquan work for that one, and I mean, he didn't get there, but it's nice to see Fangio uh, see something in that. Uh, that pass protection that the Lions have, and he was able to send that blitz a couple times throughout the game. So uh, just very good recognition by Fangio exactly when to use these A-gap blitzes as well because they're starting to reemerge, which is really nice. Yeah, again, and it's nice too on top of that, uh, we didn't talk about this with the defensive front, but the fact that we were able to get pressure by only sending four today um, was a big you know, sigh of relief, for, at least for me, because it's something we haven't been able to see too much of since, well, Tampa Bay game. And I know this is like we're going back to the game a few times, but we haven't seen it since that game, and today we started getting that groove again. And when you do that, and you drop more people in the coverage, you make the you know the windows that much shorter, that much smaller, and it makes quarterbacks' life that much more difficult for multiple reasons. One, I already have pressure in their face. Two, there's more guys in coverage, so more opportunity to make a mistake. You make them think just a little bit more. So even though we're excited that these blitzes are working, either coming off the edge with the Callahan and, of course, through the A-gap with these inside linebackers, I'm also excited to see that we don't need to do that in order to create pressure. So that's another good sign from this defense. Uh, but what about you, Nick? Anything else about these inside backers? You know, just Roquan, Roquan Smith, he finished uh, with 10 total tackles. That's, I think, something that Bears fans should really get used to seeing, that Roquan Smith is going to lead this this team in tackles just because he's always around the football. He's just a very instinctive guy, and even though he was late to training camp and we they'll still – you know, we, we could still talk about that. He's just, he's gotten the game. It's coming to him now a little bit slower. And like you said, Will, in the game to against Buffalo, there were times where he was a little bit late. He was behind that, that trailing tight end, whatever it may be. But this one, even though maybe the pass was still caught, Roquan's right there. And as soon as, as, soon as he starts to just see that more and more, get more reps, more mental reps, and just see it out on the field, that's going to translate to those passes not being caught anymore. It's just going to be Roquan Smith being able to make the deflected pass now, and that's just going to happen with time. Roquan Smith's going to be a hell of a player. We could see that already, and just get used to him leading this team in, in total tackles because that's just what he does. He's always around the football. Absolutely. All right, let's go ahead and move on to the secondary because coming into this game, uh, we kind of highlighted that some of the bigger battles for this defense is going to be along the outside with the Kyle Fuller and a Prince of Mukamara who had to wear two jerseys today. The first one they did to put on him um, had his name spelt wrong. They were missing one of the A's. It was like a Mukamara, I think is how it went. And then they were able to swap that out and give him a jersey with his correctly spelled name. But uh, 
yeah, overall, I thought these players, of course, played well. Uh, I know Prince had uh, the interception, which even though I guess it gave the Bears worse field position, um, the game was out of reach for the most part. Uh, it was fourth down. Uh, he wanted to get that ball. Good job. I know he needs, what, eight more to reach his goal. I um, was able to knock down two passes as well. Uh, Kyle Fuller, very quiet in the stat sheet with only one tackle and then just zeros across the board. Um, that's a good thing. That's a good sign. That means he shut down his side of the field. I know he had that one very uh, ticky-tacky call with some uh, legal contact that I don't agree with, and Nick's shaking his head, so I don't think he agrees with either. Um, but overall, I thought our two outside corners today really showed out. What about you, Nick? Do you agree? Oh, absolutely. And remember, Prince of Mukumara also had that forced fumble on that sideline. So he was he was, uh, he was was around the football he today. Two. and One didn't count. That's right. Yeah. Because the it, challenge flag was in, was out a little bit late. Yeah, but that was definitely. Oh, man, that that ticked me off a little bit, seeing that Nagy wasn't able to get that off. More so on the officials than Nagy. But, yeah, Prince of Mukamar, I think he, you know, there were a couple of plays where the receivers just making a phenomenal catch, just kind of jumping over, and you can't really do much about that. He played as good as you can. But, yeah, he had eight total tackles, so he's a second-lean tackler on this Bears, uh, you know, defense i don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing but he was around the football again and you know getting the interception causing a forced fumble making plays this is something that prince wasn't able to do in his years previous now he's starting to become a playmaker and that's just something that opposing offenses now have to deal with on top of everything else all the pass rush and eddie jackson all those guys but yeah prince he played a really good game and so did kyle fuller just because like you said well didn't have the stats it's not necessarily a bad thing for a corner I actually saw about 10 minutes ago when uh, Nagy was at the presser, he was talking about that missed challenge, and he he took blame for it. He said it was his fault, and the reason why he didn't get out there in time um, during uh, in between plays, he was actually looking at his, uh, his play sheet. Um, and the Bears were on defense at the time, and he's still looking at his play sheet trying to figure out the next series for the offense. And he admitted, like, that's kind of the drawback of the head coach being the play caller. So those kind of things, of course, he's going to try to clean that up and be a little bit more cognizant. In, uh, during these situations, but I do like uh, the accountability that Matt Nagy took in this situation because if he was able to get that flag out there, uh, that takes seven points off the board because after that, um, the Lions got benefited by another penalty later in the drive, but of course the end result was seven points uh, by the Lions, oh, six. I think they failed the two-point conversion on that one. But still, uh, that challenge there, even though um, it didn't work out, uh, Nagy knows and hopefully he can clean it up moving forward. What about you, B? Anything else about the ins- uh, the outside corners or if you want to go ahead and give more love to Bryce, we always can. Uh, you guys touched on the outside guys pretty well. Just I want to give a shout-out to Prince for having the game that he did. It was really nice to see. I uh, just need to have some better game awareness with that late interception was the only thing that I wanted to touch on that uh, – I mean, you guys hit all the highlights, so just want to give a shout-out to the love and just pay a little bit more attention to the game situation next time they're Prince. Uh, but Bryce, again, uh, give him a little bit more love, too. Played a very outstanding game yet again, especially with the sack early on. Uh, there was one play where he could have had a second sack, uh, but he bit on the on the pump fake, and given the certain situation in the game, uh, that's when we got to stay grounded. So, I mean, I understand the, the need to want to go up and bat the pass down, and you're going to fall for the pump fake, uh, but in the certain situation, it was like a third and four, third and three, something short in that range. Uh, Stafford was able to scramble, get a first down. Got to be able to, to stay on your feet on that one uh, because that's going to get the offense off the field. So just a little bit more recognition. But, I mean, for the most part, he has really done his job, and that's just nitpicking. So Yeah, I, exactly, because that's a very tough play because when you're going up there yes. and you really think he's going to throw that ball, 
you leave the feet because you want to try to bat it down and end it there. And of course, uh, Stafford being the savvy vet that he is, uh, was able to, and that's something that Trubisky did last week against Buffalo that I gave him props for the same exact situation. Uh, yep. so yeah, it's tough. It's a very tough play, but I agree. You gotta stay grounded in those to stay contained and try to get your hand up. If not, but worst case is focus on number nine, make sure he can't beat you with his feet. Um, real quickly too, before we move on, uh, Sheriff McManus, he had a really good day in coverage. Uh, well, one play, I should say that he was out there. Um, on Jones Jr. is on third and 20. He was able to kind of drape him down the field, which you don't see a lot of Sheriff McManus down there in coverage deep down the field at that. Uh, so I just want to give him a props for that. But, uh, Nick, anything you want to mention about our safeties, Eddie Jackson and Adrian Amos? Uh, Eddie Jackson is just a guy that each week you you just you're wondering, okay, is he going to get that interception because he has that kind of talent and he was close on a couple of plays against Stafford. So a guy that you really don't want to pick on. But um, Adrian Amos, um, he gave up the one touchdown. I forgot which uh, or no, not the one touchdown. It was a pass interference call kind of drags the receiver down uh, because he gets beat. But, you know, he's uh, in the right place at the right time, picking up that fumble recovery. So. Again, they they kept everything for the most part in front of them. So that's what you want out of your safeties. And you just want to be able to get those guys in position to make plays. And Ajaxon almost had a couple. So, yeah, overall, a good job by the secondary being able to contain those weapons for the Detroit Lions. And they're still hurting without Golden Tate. I don't care what anybody says. It, it made their job a lot easier having only guard, you know, Marvin Jones and Galladay. Yeah, no doubt about it. Really quiet day for the safeties overall, even though Eddie Jackson, he did have uh, six tackles. Um, and one pass deflection. But no, overall, uh, especially with uh, Amos, very quiet besides that penalty, which was his first penalty in like over two years, uh, just to wow. put that in perspective. Yeah, it's very impressive that he's been able to play you know, that queen of football back there uh, for a couple of years now. So even though it's that one um, and it kind of hurt, I mean, no harm, no foul when it's all said and done. Um, but guys, any final thoughts about this defense today? Again, a very strong first half. The Lions are pressing in the second half, really trying to do anything to uh, get back in this game and, that goes that counts of going forward on fourth down five different times. So, you know, I think it was a very strong game. I think today they had what? They had the three takeaways, which now they have three takeaways in six of their last seven games, including today's, which is very impressive and a lot of fun to watch considering how close we've been, say, 2015, 2016, 2017, in terms of, oh, we would lead the league in almost turnovers. And now we're leading the league in these turnovers and three per game in six of the last seven is a phenomenal mark to reach. I don't remember the last time I've seen that of a Bears defense. And if I do remember, it's a long time ago, but uh, Nick, I'll begin with you. Any final thoughts about this Bears defense? Yeah. I think that, you know, the pass rush is obviously coming back and that changes the whole dynamic of what this Bears defense is actually able to create those turnovers. Like you were just talking about, and it all starts with the pass rush being able to disrupt quarterbacks. The only thing, that I do want to see, and it's been something that the Bears defense, I guess, has struggled with. The one struggle that they have is when teams kind of hurry up the tempo, just like how you know they do to opposing defenses. That's where you can see some of the yards start to get gained. I know that was later in the game in this one, but that's where some of the touchdowns happen. They start to pick up the tempo. You saw it in the three previous losses. Teams will do that to take away the Bears' pass rush. So now it's just about trying to you know counter that. So that's the one thing that the Bears defense can still improve upon. Mm-hmm. Yep. Not wrong, obviously. Uh, let's go to Brandon. Uh, yeah, I want to add to the uh, the tempo thing. That's something that they're going to have to figure out because uh, if teams just decide they want to play up tempo, then they got to figure out a way to make some sort of stop uh, with open field tackling. Uh, 
keeping a, a good balance, uh, stink disciplined. Uh, they struggled when Detroit early on stuck with the run and then was able to pass. They were able to push the ball downfield a little bit. And I also want to add to uh, with the safety discussion, the Bears are deeper at safety than we might realize because uh, within the two-minute warning there in the second quarter and the second and goal when Garrett Blunt lost a couple yards, Deion Bush had a very, very good edge and that allowed Roquan Smith to just go in there and blow up that run, lost a couple yards. Uh, so Deion Bush is in there on the goal line situation, so it's a very good edge. It doesn't allow LeGarrette Blunt to get out there to the outside. Uh, so we've got to show some love to Deion Bush for a play that's not going to show up in the stat sheet and for a guy that doesn't get a whole lot of snaps. If he has to go in there and play for knock on wood, hopefully not uh, an injured safety, I'm totally comfortable with him in there the way that he played in the you know the few couple, whatever it is, amount of snaps that he got because that, that play says a lot. It kept him out of the end zone. Yeah. For me, I guess I'm going to go back to red zone, uh, especially red zone defense, because today they allowed the Lions to score a touchdown on all three of their trips. And heading into this game, the Bears defense is middle of the road in terms of red zone efficiency, allowing uh, offenses to score. I believe heading into this game was at least 60% of those trips. And of course, 100% today um, against the Lions offense, I was only converting uh, touchdowns on about 40% of their red zone trips. Uh, Obviously, that stings just a little bit. And I know that this is an area that they need to clean up. Um, so I'm still circling that as one of those areas as well. But regardless of the fact, when you know that the Bears ran 19 less plays on offense but still had 100 more yards in the Lions, that's all you need to know. That's really all you need to know. All right, guys. Time to head to the fourth and final quarter, and let's go ahead and begin with, I don't know if it's going to be such a quick hit on special teams today. <laughs> um, so let's go ahead and rip the Band-Aid off. Cody Parkey, two missed extra points, two missed field goals, all of which hit an upright today, which – I saw here scrolling through my feed that he said he's never hit the pole, uh, the post four times in his life. Well, he did so today in one game. Um, Matt Nagy said that even though today he lost a little bit of confidence in Parkey, it won't affect his confidence moving forward and that there's no chance that the Bears are going to go ahead and bring in any kickers this week. So that's what I've noticed on my timeline since we started the show. Nick, do you buy it? That's that's all crap, I think. Uh, just the way how... Parkey was playing obviously this game hit the field goal post four times unacceptable and then even the previous uh you see with Miami and just from then on even the Jets game as well there's been misses they're starting to add up now I was looking at I was trying to look at free agent kickers oh my god that is a depressing list there's there's Cairo Santos we can bring him back no we don't or Car- or, or Carlos Santos as John Fox would call him <laughs> so man it's it's bad because Look, at a game like this, this is against your division opponent. You're lucky that it was put away early because imagine if those came back to bite the Bears. They could have, but they didn't because the Bears are able to, you know, put this lead on the Lions. Can't have that moving forward. You got to be able to trust your field goal kicker. You have the Vikings coming in. They're they're trying to get to the, you know, the NFC North. Every point's going to count and there is no faith. I think when Cody Parkey goes up to kick a field goal, just, you know, put the opposing offense at that spot because he's not making it. That's that's where I'm at confidence level with Parky. Wow. And when you hit the four, field goal post four times in a game at Soldier Field, where they're going to play next week against the Minnesota Vikings, I have no confidence in the guy. Um, I don't know how. Look, Matt Nagy can say what he has to say at his press conference. It's great. He's not going to you know crap on a player right there. No, of course not. He's the head coach. But I think they're all thinking, all right, who can we bring in? What can we do? Because we obviously don't trust our field goal kicker. At least bring gonna... someone in to light a fire under him, you know, something. Because even if there aren't better options in free agency, because like you said, Nick, the free agency list is very sad. It's sad. It's very much. Like, I was looking at halftime, and I was like, 
Ah. Yeah, I was looking at halftime too. I'm like, man, well, okay. Me, <laughs> let me just play devil's advocate here. Uh, something I haven't been able to do in a while. Uh, first of all, I think that's kind of we got to see some history because I've never seen him hit the upright four times. And if he's never hit the upright four times, then he kind of deserves an extension for accuracy and consistency no. uh, in a very joking manner. Okay. But regardless, I mean, if it's, I don't know, I the way Matt Nagy handled it uh, in the game, going for two later on in the game, uh, tells me that he has lost confidence in Cody Parkey. And that's not good for him, especially if they're not looking to bring anyone in. I don't know how they expect him to hit one next week because he didn't give him another chance. Uh, and if he's hitting the upright, then at least he's not missing it totally wide right or totally wide left. We've seen kickers last year do it where they're missing by miles. Uh, at least he's just hitting the upright. So, I mean, he's closer than some kickers if we're going to put these misses into perspective. I'm just trying to defend the guy a little bit here. I see Will down there is kind of upset with my devil's advocacy. No, here. I'm not upset. It's just hilarious that you're like, well, at least he's hitting the upright. That's not good. That's not good that we're settling for that kind of like oh, no, level absolutely of play not, here at all. He's, you just... know he's the third highest paid kicker this year, B. Oh. Well, it's still pretty good for hitting uprights. Oh, third highest paid kicker, and he is... He's been nothing short than pathetic so far this year. Like he's and what Matt Prater comes in. What was it? A forty-five yard field goal. He's a guy that kicks indoors for the majority of his career. Comes in, kicks it. It's, it's nothing. Fifty-two yards. Sorry, I just cut him out on seven yards there. But yeah, he's <laughs> able to do that. And it's it's you know right down the middle. Parky, it's field goal post, field goal post, field goal post, and field goal post. Like, what? Come on, man. Well, you know why I'm like worried, though? you're shooting free throws in basketball, you know, they're free throws for a reason. You're supposed to be able to make them, but some guys don't. I just want to throw that out there. Maybe we need a better free throw shooter. Maybe just we do. Now. Right now, he's like Shaq out there. Breaks. <laughs> 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 just just iron every time, literally. <laughs> but um, why I'm concerned, this is nothing new. Guys, go back to training camp when we're there. He was very inconsistent, and that was August. And we're like, eh, we'll give him time. And then he's missing in preseason. Eh, it's preseason. We'll give him time. He starts off the season, okay, misses one or two. Okay, then we go to Miami, and now we're doing this. I don't know how much more. How many more? How many more passes can we give him? Yeah, the, I will agree. I think the wheels are are falling off a little bit. But I would have liked to have seen Nagy handle it a little bit differently uh, with that two point conversion, trying to instill some confidence in him still, even though we, you know he's trending in the wrong direction. And then go up there in the podium and say, "Well, we're not going to bring anyone in." Like I think you're going to bring someone in by the way you handled that last touchdown. Well, actually, the Bears. You know what they do? They just get another down on offense. That's basically what it is. Now it's four down territory everywhere, except when obvious obvious pass uh, punting situations. They just have four down territory now. So just think of it. That could be the one positive. Matt Nagy is going to go for it more on fourth down. Can right, Donald gonna, kick field goals? I want to end this on one question, and I just want one word answer. It's going to tell you everything we need to know about this situation. Next week, prime time against the Vikings. There's three seconds left. You're at the 35. Do you have any faith that Cody Parkey hits this field goal to win the game? Brandon? Any? Yes. Nick? Yeah. No. Like, I want to find a stronger word for no, but that's all that came up. It's just <laughs> hell no. no. You said one word, so I'm like, oh. no. <laughs> How about hell nah? And then you put like a dash in between. <laughs> hell nah. There you go. <laughs> all right. Oh, well, man. Well, again, there's concerns. There's definitely concerns. And kick returner, also special teams, we got to factor that in there, too. And even the onside kick. You know what? That, you can't. That- whole special teams just got an F for me because that onside kick thing was terrible. And then Mazel, who we didn't even want on offense, is back there returning kicks and just going to let this one run into the end zone. 
that kickoff and then it stops at the one like i seen that a couple weeks ago when ohio state came to purdue and played did the same thing and we got the same result it's like come on just pick the ball up and run with it go do something special teams yes. Bears special teams man hashtag Bears special teams you Anthony can Miller, it never fails he says yep. that he understands that he can't bat the ball forwards it has to be backwards he's learned a lesson um, but the fact that we allowed the Lions to pick up an onside kick in today's NFL rules without a running start, it's ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, he let that ball, go he ahead, let that ball bounce to him instead of just going to get it himself, which was just an upsetting thing to me. Like, you're on special teams. You're the only guy back there. You are the hands team. Just go get the ball. Well, I don't know if you can call it hands team. Nick Kukowski was out there. Yeah, He's but got, his job is to go out hands. there and block the guy, though. <laughs> he has no hands. He's not going to be the one picking the kick up. Yeah, it was uh, it was weird. Special teams uh, did not do a very good job today, so <laughs> hopefully that improves. Hopefully it does because the more this happens and the less confidence I get in this unit, the more it fears me Like towards the end of the year when it's very crucial. Oh, yeah. All three phases in some of these big games, they can end up losing us a couple of these games, which is going to be costly down the stretch because right now when I'm looking at this team, we only have one liability, but it's the entire third phase of the game. So yeah. do you think that that falls on the players or do you think that's Chris Tabor? Because we brought him in because he's the special teams guru, I guess. And even through training camp, when we were there. He was the one with the most energy telling guys, you know, I don't get you for that long. So you're going to make the most of these opportunities. So, I mean, it, is it Tabor? Or is it the players not executing? Uh, in terms of Parkey, I put it on Parkey. I don't put it on Tabor. I mean, right. Parkey is a professional kicker. He should know what he has to do. And number one, I saw earlier here too, it was said that he doesn't travel down to practice kicks in Soldier Field because of a poor commute. Oh, hell no. Excuse. You, oh, that just did it for me. <laughs> that guy, are you, that is awful. I yeah. remember, man, who was it? It was a former Bears player was saying that Robbie Gold used to go out two times during the week in practice because he had the accessibility to go to soldier field. He would practice two times a week, just kicking there because he knows that soldier field is a tough place to kick. And if he's not going because he can't get there, that's some bull crap. Well, he can that's get there. Seriously. He just doesn't like to sit in the traffic. Apparently. Oh, I'm not even going to just go speak. <laughs> Someone else speak. Brandon speak. No. <laughs> oh my goodness. That All right, is let's so go frustrating. ahead. Frustrating. It is. The whole third phase is very frustrating. And, it's uh, it's nothing new. Um, it seems like it's almost progressively getting worse, which is the other problem. Yes. So hopefully they get their act together because this offense putting up thirty four points per game, the defense playing like it is, we can win a lot of these games on the stretch. We're six and three, six and three. We have a lot of games left. But if the special teams plays like this, we're going to drop a game, a few games that we should have end up winning because not every game you're going to have a big as the cushion as we did today, and we need the third phase to step up when their number is called because. Football is a complimentary sport. We've talked about that for years. And right now, offense and defense are doing a great job of uh, you know handing it off to one another. Offense is putting up points. Defense responds with three and outs. Defense gets a turnover. Offense puts on more points. Great. But when the third phase is leaving points on the board or allowing the other team either block the punt, return another kick, you know these are weeks past. Those are issues that kind of kind of linger and they kind of linger in the back of my mind and have me very worried uh, moving forward. But all that said, let's kind of take a step back because I know we're all frustrated with special teams, but let's create this game as a whole. And I guess if you have to throw special teams in there, that could affect the overall grade of this game. Uh, let's go to Brandon first. Well, since we have to throw special teams in there, <laughs> I think it deserves a B because uh, that special team has really dragged that grade down for me. Offense really dominated early on in the game, was able to put up points, was able to put this game away early, which is what I said on the previous show. If they can win this early, they're going to take control of the game. and it's, They're just going to win it hands down, and they absolutely did. Defense played very, very well. Six sacks, 
a few turnovers as well. Won the turnover battle again, which is extremely nice. Uh, so those two phases are playing very well, but the special teams is really dragging that grade down to a B because there are just so many missed opportunities, just fundamental things that really need to be shored up. So until they can start trending in the other direction, uh, I think that the best grade that they can get as far as an overall grade is going to be a B plus, but today they get a B. B hands out a B, and we can may as well make it B3 because I'm going to give them a B as well. Like you said, offense was up there. Defense played very well uh, for the most part of this game. I really love the 4-15 that they forced Detroit on third down. Don't love that they are allowing them to convert 4-5 or five on fourth down, but those are very short fourth down conversions, and when that happens, it's in the game how it's flowing. I'm upset by it, but I'm also like I'm not going to kind of stare at it too much um but again special teams i don't want to rehash everything we just said guys so you know why um but b for me as well um all three phases um obviously there's this one that's holding this team back just a little bit more than the rest uh what about you nick i'll actually give it a b plus you see what mitch trubisky in this offense did very efficient we're able to get in the end zone you know pretty frequently today and then three turnovers by that defense six sacks so both of the the most important phases of the game played pretty damn well today and that's what you want to see but then of course we saw what happened on special teams that does bring it down but you know the bears really put this away early and it wasn't it wasn't a game you knew the bears were going to win this just didn't know by how much because of you know there's going to obviously give up some plays here and there but you just knew the game was over from how the bears started off so i'll have to give it a b plus we already talked about what needs to get fixed and hopefully that gets fixed because you can't have those hiccups happen against better opponents like the Vikings and et cetera, whatever. But B-plus for me. All right, B-plus for Nick. I appreciate the optimism there. I agree. Uh, there's a lot of things, if you look at this game, to be very excited about. Um, but we have a very critical stretch still coming up because these, these three games, uh, we just had one, but we have two more coming up in the next, uh, well, less than two weeks. So we need to really kind of put our perspective forward. So let's go ahead into our two-minute warning, wrap up our thoughts on this game, and then look ahead to what's to come here. And I'm very excited to see uh, how you're feeling about the Vikings and then, of course, the Lions here on Thanksgiving because losing the game today, I do anticipate the Lions coming out um, on Thanksgiving with a little bit more of an attitude to try to change the script a little bit because, I mean, it's happening so fast. I mean, this is going to be very fresh in their minds. But well, let's go to Brandon first. What's going to be your two-minute warning? Two-minute warning, it's just going to start in the trenches on offense. We'll work my way back around the trenches on defense to finish it. Uh, but, I mean, they just set up a very clean pocket for Trubisky aside from the one sack that was almost a safety. Uh, but that was just in a very tight situation where the defense was able to pin their ears back and have at it. Uh, but when they set up a very clean pocket, it allows Trubisky to stand there, scan the field. We've seen it multiple times throughout the game. He went one, two, three, and he was able to either go back to one, back to two, or hit three right away. Uh, he was able to hit his check down guys when he had to scramble. There was one pass to Jordan Howard that was incredibly nice to see him uh, complete under pressure. Uh, wide receivers ran very clean routes. They were able to get open for Trubisky. Uh, for the most part, the offense played extremely well. Uh, they were just sinking very well. It all gelled very well. Defensively, same deal, six sacks, which is absolutely big. Was a, uh, I think this is a good uh, confidence game going into Minnesota, especially with Cool Matt coming back. A good warm-up game, we'll say. He still had two sacks, which is pretty good, really good. Uh, but it's a good warm-up game for him going into Minnesota. Leonard Floyd, same deal. Was getting real close on some of these sacks. Finally got one. Incredibly nice to see. Uh, Prince Mukamara, very, very good game today. Kyle Fuller, same deal. He only had the one tackle, but he was draped all over guys throughout the afternoon. And just there were a lot of guys that I'm not going to mention in two-minute warning, just played very found, sound, fundamental things throughout the entirety of the game on defense and aren't going to still show up on the stat sheets. So they deserve to be awarded, uh, rewarded in practice as well uh, for their efforts. Special teams, just 
I'm not even going to touch on it. And uh, then just wrapping it up again on the defensive line, they were able to win it. Uh, and that's why the defense just had a, a very good game. Just those two phases, offense and defense, very solid, uh, very good momentum builder going into next week against Minnesota. Awesome stuff. There would be real quick before I get to Nick, uh, Kevin Fishbane just tweeted out an amazing stat that I need to let you guys know in the entire bears history. Uh, 305 quarterbacks, and I think he means like quarterbacks. This can count, say, one quarterback multiple times, but 305 times in the Bears' history has a quarterback attempted 30 passes in a game, and none of them had a higher passer rating than Mitchell Trubisky had today with 148.6. Incredible. Sweet. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I would say so. I, I would say so. But, uh, Nick, uh, back to you for your two-minute warning. Yeah, I'll actually hit on Mitch Trubisky here because I think him having the game that he had today – is very important because now we're going into this, you know, the schedule where you have the Vikings, Lions, you have the Rams, Packers as well. Another uh, play with the Vikings at the end there, but you need him to have a good performance going into this, especially two week stretch where these games are very close together. That's important for the Bears moving forward. And then the defense amping up that pass rush, getting to the quarterback six times, sacking Stafford six times today. Very important. Arguably the most two important things on this team for the Bears, how Mitch Trubisky plays and how well they can get to opposing quarterbacks. Those are both had a very good day today. So with that moving forward, that's going to be how the Bears are going to have to win games because the running game is still a question mark, especially after today. So you're going to have to rely on Mitch Trubisky, rely on Khalil Mack, Leonard Floyd and company to get after opposing quarterbacks. And we'll see where this defense can take them, where Mitch Trubisky can take them. And right now, if it's you have to rely on those two and how they play today, the Bears are in pretty good shape to you know do some damage, win the NFC North, and make it to the playoffs for the first time since 2010. Wow. Those are four words that are music to my ears. I had to count them on the spot. But <laughs> win the NFC North. We're sitting here. End of week 10, and that's a very real possibility. And that's exactly where I'm going to begin my two-minute warning because as a fan, that's highly exciting because, I mean, we just all know how poor we've been against our own division ever since Lovey Smith left. And in particular, especially the John Fox era was very rough in terms of all of these games. And I know we were only one point away against the Packers to start this year off. Now we come up and we beat the Detroit by 12 points in a game that should have been way more than just that on top of it. Um, but we pretty much manhandled them in two phases of the game. And the third kind of, you know, we're just going to omit that for now. But this is a team that's playing very well on both sides of the Does a robot know you like a neighbor? Insurance Corporation will fulfill requests to cover anyone, anything, anytime, anywhere, with most standard algorithm in the order it was received. Please hold. Robots don't know you. We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services, getting the insurance coverage you need always starts with a conversation. Find a Farm Bureau agent at fbfs.com slash protect. It's your future. Let's protect it. Football, um, they're complimenting one another. Um, in a divisional game like this, you better believe that gives them a lot of confidence moving forward because um, the Lions, too, and as we've noted, they've beaten every team that the Bears have lost to. Um, so if you want to look at the transit of property, and we all know the Bears, all three of their losses were very, very close. Um, it just kind of proves like any given Sunday, this Bears team can win. They can be any team. I really think they can even beat the Rams team if the defense really shows up to play here um, in about a month. And I know that uh, that may seem like a slight stretch, but I really do believe that if this defense comes to play and can hold the Rams to a very, you know, appropriate number, not what less than 30 points per game. And this offense right now has been scoring over 30 points per game. 
this is a game where the Bears can really hang on in there. When I'm looking at the next stretch here, I'm looking at the Vikings and I'm looking at Detroit. Um, I know we have uh, primetime coming up on Sunday, and I know the Bears are 1-1 one one under Matt Nagy now, under the lights. Um, and the last time they're on Sunday Night Football, that loss to Green Bay. So I think this is another way to, uh, on a national stage, kind of prove that, hey, we arrived. Like, next Sunday is a great moment for the Bears to kind of put that out there. Like, we are here, and we're not going anywhere. We're not backing down. And I think a win against the Vikings would be a huge statement. Um, for not just the Bears in the division, but the entire NFL, give them some much-needed recognition. So for me, some things to clean up, obviously, um, but if that first half in particular was darn near perfect, and if the Bears can find a way to replicate that next Sunday against the Vikings, we should be talking about a 7-3 and Chicago Bears team heading into Thanksgiving, which would give us multiple reasons to be thankful outside of Cody Parkey. <laughs> All right, guys, well, that's going to do it for this episode of the Bears Brothers Podcast. I want to thank you all who are here watching live. I saw there's over 250 to 300 people, depending on the moment here. So to have all of you here watching live on YouTube, I know there's plenty of other football games on your screen right now. Uh, so to join us with this post-game, fo- you know, victory post-game show, which is a lot of fun. I really do appreciate that. And, of course, another shout-out to the thousands of podcast listeners uh, worldwide, no matter where you are, no matter how you listen, just know – all of us here at the Bears Brothers, we really do appreciate the time that you give our show. I know you have multiple things that you can do at any given moment, and the fact that you give us just a little bit of light today really means the world to all of us. Uh, if, and again, if you love the show and you haven't yet, please review us on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, leave a rating. Let us know that you appreciate all the work that we put in each and every week. Um, so yeah, we'll begin our week 11 Vikings preview here in just a couple of days, another week worth of podcasts coming right at you. But until then, call the mailbag, 872-240-4007. Enjoy your victory Monday. And, of course, bear down, Chicago. Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com.